Hello everyone and welcome to the Cold Chain Podcast. My name's Shane Brennan and I'm the Chief Executive of the Cold Chain Federation in the UK and I'm the host of this podcast. The Cold Chain Podcast is our chance to talk to some of the key people, leaders and influencers that impact on the temperature controlled supply chain here in the UK and around the world. It's been a week now since I got back from San Diego where I've had a chance to meet with leaders from across the global cold chain. These are always fascinating meetups, a real opportunity to compare notes on what's happening in different markets around the world and to see some of the best of the technology and innovation that's coming through and shaping the cold chain. At the event, I had a chance to catch up with some old friends, uh, one of whom was Mike McClendon, who until very recently was the head of international growth acquisitions and integrations for Lineage Logistics. He's now moved into a new role as global ambassador for Lineage Logistics and is shortly to take over as president of the Global Cold Chain Alliance. He'll tell you all about that in the conversation that we're about to share with you. Um, but I guess one of the things to to understand and comes through in, in the conversation with Mike is that legacy of Lineage. It's a young company, but it's a company that brings together a lot of different company, family businesses from around the world, a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge, and a lot of cultural differences uh, coming together under one very exciting brand. And I think, as I say in the piece, Lineage is a business that is reshaping the world in which we, as we know it in Cold Chain. It's operating on a global scale in a way that hasn't really ever been done before within, within temperature-controlled logistics. And think that as they mature and grow as a business, it's going to shape the world in which we live. So it's really fascinating to talk to somebody like Mike, who's very much in the founding phase of that operation. And as for many years to come, he'll be involved in the industry, I'm sure. But I think it's really great to capture this moment in time and hear how he sees both where we've come from and where we're heading in Global Cold Chain. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Mike McClendon, welcome to the Cold Chain podcast. Thank you so much. It's great being here. It was great seeing you at the Global Cold Chain Alliance Conference in uh, California and obviously all the other times we've gotten together in the United Kingdom. Yeah, that's great, Mike. And thank you for giving me your time. I know that um, I, I'm sure people are really interested to, have, to, to hear what you've got to say in this conversation. Um, the whole point of this is that a conversation about, about you and your background in the industry. And I know that you've got a lot of experience in cold chain and then talk a bit about you know lineage and and, and, the, and the global cold chain alliance which we obviously share a, uh, a, an involvement in and and then a bit more about how you see the future and some of the big issues so can we just kick off really by rather than me say it say in your own words what's your cold chain journey how have you how did you get into cold chain and, and how has it gone over the years for you yeah it's uh it's, it's been an amazing awesome journey and um uh, you know, it really started as a as a as a as a child, and my father was in the cold uh, cold chain industry uh, for many years. He was actually uh, chairman of the IRW as well, um, and and had a great uh, cold chain journey. Um, and uh, they had a company called Carmar Freezers in in the Midwest, and um, that uh, actually became uh, part of Americold in the early nineties. And I, I had the opportunity to, you know, see what he did and go to work with him from time to time over the years. And then really starting in um, junior high and then high school, uh, I worked there in the summers doing various jobs, whether it was repacking, recasing, um, helping uh, assist load trucks uh, and, and just get an understanding for, for what happened and uh, had, had uh, great uh, supervisor and manager that that 
told me what to do and when to do it, and uh, it was pretty fascinating. So really at an early age, I, I got that opportunity. I, I then, after uh, college, I, I worked in Washington, D.C. for a while, and I actually got to attend some of the summer meetings uh, that the IRW held there and meet various members from around the world. And that would be in the late 80s uh, and early 90s. Uh, and then that actually led to, uh, I got to know the uh, owner of Richmond Cold Storage, Pepper Lawn, and uh, actually joined Richmond Cold Storage as a supervisor of a warehouse in 1995. Okay. Uh, worked my way up through uh, uh, that facility and, and, and managed a few more facilities. And then uh, got to the point where I helped Pepper uh, run the company Richmond Cold Storage was one of the first businesses that was acquired by Lineage Logistics. Is that right? That's correct. We were one of the first seven, call it, um, that was was there. We were the second East Coast organization uh, that was acquired, and it was a really interesting story. So I, um, myself, and others helped uh, Pepper and his family uh, sell the company uh, to a small private equity fund out of Atlanta. And, and really, it was, it was a great transition, and it really allowed us as a management team to, to understand what reporting matrix meant and, and how to really report it to a, a private equity firm. Uh, but they were agnostic in their holdings. They had an apartment company, a roofing company, a cold storage company, and they were great for us, um, but they weren't going to grow and, and build a, a global uh, cold storage logistics organization. And um, actually met uh, Pepper or I met Kevin and Adam uh, at at one of their so that's first Kevin conferences. Kevin Marchetti and Adam Force. Ke- for, for yes, those that yes. aren't, most people who listen to this will know exactly who you mean when you say that. <laughs> Let's just say it for, uh, for those reasons. Exactly, I, I should be more formal, but uh, yes, I met uh, Kevin Marchetti and Adam Forst at at I think their first convention, uh, and and got to have lunch with them and sit down, and and that led to us asking them to come to Atlanta. And, and meet uh, the owner of this private equity fund, uh, Pete Carell, and really, you know, say, hey, I think these guys really want to grow a global organization. Um, you know, we're one of many types of holdings you, you, you have. We've done extremely well while you've held us, even though it was a short period of time, only two years. But um, they agreed with that that approach and they and they said you know they would be a much better home for you guys and really allow you to continue to grow and 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 uh and and uh consolidate and and so we we did that in 2011 and uh was 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 the bay grove interest called lineage at that time or was it did become it was not it, 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 it was not it was a it was a really interesting time where the decision was either to be a a branded house or a house of brands and and over a, a period of time, we all did have you know great respect for our our heritage and our names, but we all realized that we we needed to become one, and we really needed um, uh, to have uh, one unified name and approach in the marketplace. And and really, the line, the name lineage is to uh, memorialize and and honor the heritage of these organizations, and so. Uh, it's an awesome name. It, it, it couldn't have been um, a, a better name for the organization. And, and really, that was then sort of the next start of a journey, which was, you know, uh, how do we what do we become and, and how do we continue to grow 
both organically and, and through acquisitions in, in lineage from 2011 on. And um, did pretty much from straight away when you came across from Richmond into lineage, you took on a senior leadership role within the lineage growth. Is that is that is that right or was it? Yeah, I did. I was fortunate. Yes, uh, yes, I was fortunate to be on that team and and fortunate to have a role uh, starting out as as uh, supporting the East operations, uh, and then um, really just also assisting with uh, looking at acquisitions and development growth, um, and and that was how that started. And when uh, Greg Lumkel, our current CEO, and and the and some of the other team uh, came on board. Um, you know, had an amazing uh, meeting with Greg and and really he described what he wanted to do and how to uh, allow operations to truly focus on operations and, and put together uh, a group um, called network optimization that would really focus on all the development work, all the integrations of acquisitions, the acquisitions themselves, uh, the greenfields and expansions and and uh, I was he was really describing my dream job and so <laughs> asked if I would I like to head that up and and I was honored to to do that so it was how that that came and so about. when you first sort of obviously you went into private equity before you joined the sort of the Baygrove lineage project um but then once you sort of got into the that the lineage family did you know at that point at the very beginning that this that you would end up where you are as, as an entity? Did you see the the, the opportunity of, of the lineage of the scale it is today when you first started out? You know, crazy enough, I, I think the answer is yes, because of the passion. You know, the passion was there and the drive was there. Um, and we all agreed that we wanted to continue on that journey. But but then really it was it was when um Greg came on board. And put that the process and people and structures in place that we could go and achieve it. So the I, yes, the the passion was there, the desire was there, the vision was there, and then how do we do this uh, was what really started. Those pieces really came together um, when Greg and and uh, and and the rest of the executive team joined the organization. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wrote here before so what has kept you interested over the years, but now I think about it, that's a really stupid question to ask you, given the amount of activity there's been over that period. I don't think you've had a rest for a minute because the amount of acquisitions that have gone through through the lineage story that you've sort of overseen and that growth. Why why do you think it's been a success? What do you think of the sort of, you know, you talked, you talked about that structural side, but why do you think so many businesses have chosen to, to join the lineage, lineage family and, and join the operation over the years? Yeah, you know, and I, it's amazing. Um, you almost have to look back, not forward, to really view what's been accomplished and and what's uh, what's happened, even on a monthly basis, but definitely on a yearly basis. And and I would say one is the alignment uh, and the passion from whether it's 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 from our our financial providers and backers, Bay Grove, or whether it's it's lineage. The passion and the desire to focus on customer service and the and the team members, it, it's alignment and and that that team's aligned, and the leaders, the 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 executive team, the the teams that they have and and the 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 roles and responsibilities that are that are given to those individuals is unreal and amazing and it's it's. It's really using that that process that I talked about and and putting great people in in wonderful positions and allowing them to succeed. So, you know, and I think it's also living up to our word. It's 
it says, um, you know, when we we our our job is to take care of individuals and take care of customers. And if you don't do that, you're never going to grow again. Um, and that's our that's our motto on a global basis. So, I, I, you know, and, and then when you start getting scale and you can provide customers really that global um, opportunity, uh, you really start to see um, the ball moving. Well, I mean, obviously, I noticed I've seen it from the UK's perspective. That's you know because obviously that's where where we sit in Coaching Federation, um, um, and my president at Coaching Federation is is uh, well was the head of UK and is now the regional uh, operations director for Europe for for, for Lineage. But one thing that struck me was I met Lineage the team yearsly as it was in the first few months of working at the Coaching Federation, and I met that team and I thought you cut them and they bleed yearsly as a family business. Um, and how they operate. And what struck me, sort of three or four months after the acquisition, was that you cut them and they bred, and they immediately they were, they were bleeding lineage. And I thought these are some quite cynical northern, you know, operatives who have done the things their way for a long time, and yet they managed to to come on board to the lineage way of thinking very, very easily and smoothly. I think that's a tribute to the way that lineage does its acquisitions, I think, and does and does its integrations. Well, thanks. And I, I would say there's there's no easy path to take but I, I will say that one we've learned every time we learn more than than we we offer and and usually as many others it was and is an excellent organization and and now you know a solid part of of, of what we do across the united kingdom obviously and beyond as, as those leaders take on greater roles of responsibility and the other thing is it's it's you can say something, but you need to prove it out. And whether that's proving it out through providing uh, better equipment, better IT infrastructure, uh, new uh, new facilities by by constructing new assets, or or buying other assets, you know, we we took a long time in the UK to make sure we visited every site, made sure we listened uh, to every individual, and then. Our plan was based on what we heard, and and that's what we did, and and that's what we continue to do around the world. Is, you know, again, we these are wonderful organizations that 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 provide excellent value, and our our job is to figure out what else can we do to help them succeed. And again, a lot of times that's, you know, what Sadarsan Tatai, our our CIO, provides from a standpoint of a better infrastructure from an IT perspective or construction design automation uh, or or sometimes just making sure we're hearing what benefits are needed uh, and how to take care of the individuals on a day-to-day -day basis. So again, our our job is to listen and and then put together a plan based on that and then come back to the team and say, we heard you and here's what we did about it. And, I think and, that and not everything is always perfect either. And then you know, we'll take any criticism that given and we continue to work on it. And and again, I, I think we do that as a partnership uh, with with every organization. And and again, I I don't see another way and there's no easy path. And over time you build trust from each side and, and you continue to bond together and become a team. It's striking to me that given how far you've come, they're still almost at the foothills of the opportunity that's available in terms of the technology and the investment and the the opportunities of scale that that, that, are, that are now presented to to lineage on a on a global basis. So I think it's you know 
I think there's plenty more to go at in terms of in terms of opportunity and for, for the business, both in terms of growth um, acquisition, but also organically. I would imagine. Can I ask I you agree. about? Can I sorry? Can I ask you about um, the Global Cold Chain Alliance? Like you said, you you were you were attending IARW, which is one part of the Global Cold Chain Alliance, back when you were a, a kid with your with with, with your dad. Um, you're now shortly going to become the president of the GCCA. I think is it your first go round on that? Or have you done it before? So uh, I I was uh, WFLO chairman. Yeah. Um, uh, several several years ago in 2011, I believe. I, I yeah. probably need to check with Matt uh, <laughs> to confirm that date. But um, I I sat on the WFLO board. I think I started in 1997. And and really. Um, you know, I've been fortunate um, to have mentors instead of uh, bosses along the way, and and Pepperlon and 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 Greg have, you know, both said be active, be be out there, and 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 be committed to to, to the industry you're in. And so, you know, starting in 1997, I, I started sitting on the board, and and then became chairman in in 2011, and helped and and you know with many others helped guide a, an international program and development program for the, for the association. So it's a real honor um, uh, to so, be so on that, the, to, to explain for the benefit of those yeah. that don't know WFLO, the World Food Logistics Organization is the foundation part of the Global Cold Chain Alliance that does training, does uh, training for, for, for professionals in the cold chain, does research and also does development activities. And I know that that's a particular passion of yours, isn't it, Mike? The idea of developing cold chain in, in parts of the world where it isn't, hasn't got very sophisticated infrastructure. Correct, and and again, just in a global basis, you know, eliminating uh, to to a a, a degree or obviously a great reduction in post harvest loss and food waste uh, is not only a, a a passion of lineages, but a passion of WFLO and and of mine as well. And I, I think it it's a lot of low cost, no cost solutions that that can get us there. Obviously, you know, big infrastructure ideas. Uh, can do wonders, but a lot of times it's really going in and helping individuals, uh, whether it's in a, an emerging market or or even a, a rising market that, you know, how do we improve our storage? How do we improve our post-harvest loss? And, and how do we look at the whole entire supply chain and and what are value-added services that we can provide to, to crops or fruits or vegetables or meats that can help us reduce, uh, reduce the waste? So, it's, it's, uh, it's a real eye-opener to me, and I wasn't from this industry before I arrived in this job four, four or five years ago. It's just the stark difference between the, what's available to us in the developed world in the West as compared to what's needed in the developing world and how much opportunity there is to bear down on climate change issues, on, on, on malnourishment issues, just by having what we take for granted, which is the fridges and freezers and trucks that, that are our backbone in, the, in, 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 our, in our economy. So... WFLO has got a huge opportunity to, to be part of that. Yeah, the divide should not be that great. Mm -hmm. It just should not in this the day and age we live. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, real honor starting in January to be uh, chairman of the the GCCA and and really support staff um, around the world to to continue to um, push the objectives and and uh, bring together industry um, and and partners. Um, to really uh, strive for those goals that we just mentioned. Yeah, yeah. And um, from your point of view, obviously you've been involved in, as you say, for a long years. 1997 was the year I finished high school, by the way. Um, <laughs> and um, the, um, the 
What have you what have you personally got out of collaborative forums like GCCA and obviously Coaching Federation in the UK? We do similar things. How why why do you why do you spend your time? You're very busy. You've got you know you've been busier busy every. I'm sure, there's many things you can do with your time. Why do you spend time in in, in forums like the GCCA? Yeah, I, well, I think on several levels. First is just the collaboration with the industry and getting to know those. Uh, that are really running uh, running facilities uh, around the world and and being part of that, especially as lineage is continuing to grow. Uh, a perfect example would be when we when we um, started entering Europe, uh, uh, we felt like we already knew uh, a lot of the individuals because we'd spent time and efforts uh, with them, whether that was in on European conferences or whether it was in uh, the IRW and, and and WFLO. So. I think there's a real need to collaborate on a global basis, um, and and that is that is one level. And then two is is the the research and education aspect, whether that's a, a, a an operations manual uh, that the the industry provides, whether that's proper temperatures uh, from a commodity perspective, or whether that's uh, trade barriers or non-tariff barriers that are placed um, on a on a certain facility from from time to time, whether it be a a poultry issue or a fish issue or meat issue, um, those individuals um, are, are usually the ones that can help out with governments and ports uh, to, to alleviate pain points uh, on, on a global basis. So, you know, uh, the government affairs perspective, the, the, the true industry operational and engineering perspective, and, and then on the collaboration side, it's also the partners, not necessarily just the operators, but it's those that uh, have refrigeration equipment, those that have doors, walls, panels, uh, you know, all, all of the above uh, automation equipment and, and really getting in a forum with those individuals and collaborating on uh, what is the best approach for what we're trying to achieve. And, and that's really where the, the, the cream of the crop exists is, is through those, those industry organizations and they're all there. It's quite, um reassuring to hear you say that Mike because obviously now lineage at the size and scale it is and there are other big players in, in the world as well you, you're increasingly able to do a lot of this stuff yourself you know um, but the fact that there's still a commitment to be part of a collaboration and seeing value in it I think is reassuring for those of us that are involved in the uh, in, in running the collaborative forums um, and I totally agree that ultimately it's not about trying to outsource these this information to, to a third party it's about verifying and making sure and sense checking and, and finding where the common problems are and seeking common solutions, particularly when it comes to interfacing with governments, which I think 100%. is increasingly powerful uh, and important thing. Um, can I just ask you about some of the issues then, just in terms of, you know, that we aren't, we aren't, we aren't short of them in terms of issues affecting the cold chain. Um, obviously, talking to you from, from the UK and from Europe, we have a particularly uh, acute issue around energy at the moment, energy use. Um, I, I, I was getting gasps from the from colleagues at, in San Diego talking about the levels of energy price increases we're experiencing in, in, in UK and other parts of Europe. Do you do you have a sen sense of how the cold chain can can bear up in the face of what's such a significant amount of inflationary cost pressure? Yeah, well, you know, first is is looking at from a from a technology standpoint whether that's the, the insulation values the type of refrigerants and the type of refrigeration equipment that's provided or the automation uh, that that is utilized inside the, the the freezer facility itself to eliminate door openings and 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 the loss of of, of cold air 
but also just an awareness of of what is going on in the industry, what true costs are happening, and and the reason you know that why that's happening and and how that has to be passed on and 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 put into the total cost of operations. So you know from an awareness perspective, uh, one and then two is just making sure that as a as a stewards of of various organizations uh, that individuals understand you know how how do you eliminate uh, as much loss of 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 power issues as possible whether that's uh, you know using solar and backup batteries or whether that's flywheeling and 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 eliminating uh, the use of power during peak times and and again a lot of that information is shared and provided through the industry activities uh, but obviously you know companies also have uh, their expert individuals uh, that 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 utilize those those technologies I, I get the two things I cling to are we're all in it together um, um, from one point of view and on the other there is don't waste a crisis like you're saying thinking about how you bear down on energy use and that will put us in good stead for once we come out the other side of some of these these short-time crunches. There's an issue that really at the cl- that's at the, the close to my heart uh, within all of this and the work of Coltrane and Federation in particular is this idea of charting a path to net zero. So we were excited, very excited, when we heard Lineage make the commitment last year to become a net zero operator by 2040. Do you, how do you, how do you have a sense of how in broad terms that can be achieved? Yeah, so, you know, what's interesting is really when we started the journey and started digging into this, a lot of early organizations that pledged to net zero, we realize they're buying their way to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you you really have to look at it in buckets and you have to look at it in what what do you do within the facility itself, um, such as um, the most efficient systems possible, uh, plus uh, solar or or other alternative energies. Uh, what do you do uh, external to that facility, such as a solar field or 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 other uh, types of energy opportunities, including wind and and others? And then uh, again, then there might be uh, selling back or or wielding power back to the to the grid um, in in um, in non-peak times when when you're generating power. And then there could also be an opportunity, as a small degree, to 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 pay down or buy back uh, credits. Uh, mm-hmm. If if possible, but I but I think in my mind the best approach isn't as an organization to say we're going to get there because we're going to write a check. It's we're going to get there because we're going to we're going to utilize technology to the best of our ability. Uh, we're going to we're going to really uh, dig in from an energy management perspective, uh, and we're going to be great stewards of the organization uh, and or the industry. And, and I think, you know, we in Lineage are utilizing our data science team. We have an energy excellence committee. Uh, and then from an operational and engineering perspective, everybody's aligned on on what we need to be doing in those various buckets. And, and it's not one size fits all. It's it's not you're not going to you're not going to put enough solar on to be net neutral. You're not going to uh, put enough insulation in to be net neutral. You're not going to wield power off of peak times to be net neutral. But when you start adding all these opportunities up together, uh, it is possible to get there and or get or get close uh, in, in various markets. So that's, so, that's the so way. So you're not, you're not going to, I don't ask you a particularly technical question, but you're not going to be talking about the, the contribution of the cold chain through its role in preventing food waste. 
There's quite a lot of advance. There's quite a lot of credit in the bank if you start looking at the role of cold chain within the system. Um, and certainly one of the jobs I see for the federations, GCCA, Cold Chain Federation, is to make sure we get the credit for what we do first and foremost, which is prevent food waste. Correct. And, I, and, I, and that, I think, is a piece of that pie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and then when you put all those other pieces together, um, look, at the end of the day, if, if you don't get to net zero um, in a certain facility by all those pieces of the pie, you're, you're definitely reducing. Yeah. So yeah. I yeah. think at the in the start, that's the goal and what yeah. gets measured gets done. And then uh, you build on that and then you 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 work your way towards uh, uh, net zero and in, in allowing the best and latest technologies to apply themselves as well. We've gone through a lot there, Mike, and I'm conscious of, 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 of time and everything. But I guess sort of wrapping up to thinking about the next few years, obviously you've you've stepped out of the role of of international leading up heading up the international growth business uh, but you see still very much involved in lineage going forward so what do the next few years hold for you in terms of your in terms of your involvement involvement in cold chain yeah sure it's it's one and again it's a real honor starting in january to to lead and be, be chairman of the global cold chain alliance uh two to to support lineage when and where needed uh whether that's in europe asia or or north america and and three uh to, to hopefully help those that are that are rising up through lineage uh understand what it means to be part of various associations uh and why to be active and, and how to support um how do you how to support the industry and what that industry can give you back personally as well so um you know i'm i'm really there to uh support the team whatever they might need uh and again want to get through the next year as being chairman and then and then hopefully we can do another podcast and see what's after that. Yeah, let's do that for sure. So, so Mike, one of the things ever since I first met you, and and one of the things I would say about you is you bring optimism and energy to to, to thinking about the challenges of cold chain. So maybe some final words from you on how you feel about the future of of, of cold chain. You know, it's pretty dark times for some of us in the UK. People are pretty worried about things. Have what well, give us some reassurance that things are things are going in the right direction. In the, in the yeah, you know. In talking to Tim Moran and 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 you know others uh, across Europe, Harold Peters and and others in our organization, you know during these periods of time that are happening right now, really again you, you need to step back and look at what you've accomplished. It's amazing what happens. You know energy is such an issue right now, and everybody's focusing on every detail of the business. And what you realize is you're starting to be a lot more efficient at running your facilities, uh, not just energy related, but overall, because there's such an attention to detail. So as you come out of this, you know, and we've seen this uh, over the years, when you come out of this, this issue from an energy perspective, um, you're gonna have a better run team and a better run facility because of the the attention to detail that, that you, you gave during these hard times. So I think also from a technology perspective, you know, Again, four four years ago, no one understood anything about supply chain. Didn't hear about supply chain, you know. Again, you know, obviously through COVID, but now even post COVID, you you rarely turn on a, a news program or pick up a newspaper and you don't see something that's cold chain or supply chain related. And and I think because of that, we're we're on the radar now, um, and and we have a a real opportunity to continue to, to show our customers 
how we offer value and, and how we can give individuals that join our industry a great career path. Brilliant. Thank you, Mike. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And um, like I say, when I hold you to that, we'll, we'll bring you back in a, in a year or so. Time <laughs> Let's do see, it. See, see, see how things have gone. Good luck to you and speak to you soon. Thank you so much. Yes. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. It's really great of Mike to give us his time and brilliant for us to get an insight into uh, the thinking of someone who has really been at the forefront of the modern history of cold chain. And I know that as he moves into his role as the president of the GCCA, he's going to shape the next few years as well. And I know from being in San Diego with colleagues uh, last week that the Global Coaching Alliance is in really fine health and is going to be doing some really exciting things um, in the years ahead. So that's our podcast for this uh, this time. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, as ever, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast, whether you're doing it via Apple Podcasts or Google or any of the other platforms. Um, please share it. Please leave a review if you can. And um, until next time, 